Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of December, 2017. It's probably inevitable, really, that elites would always come to the same conclusion, as they have done for well over a hundred years, maybe a couple of hundred years, in fact, or more, that they'd get to a stage in the planet where the undesirable types, the useless eaters, as Bertrand Russell called them, would have to be simply wiped out, or at the very least sterilized and allowed to die off, as H.G. Wells advocated. And he, at that time, worked for the Fabian Society in England. And Wells was more open about their plans, along with George Bernard Shaw, about the need to have a big culling of, of the undesirable types, the types that would become obsolete in the very, very near future, as they saw it. Shaw, of course, did, wrote Man and Superman, and in that he said the same kind of things, that those who couldn't adapt into this new scientific system would be obsolete and should just be wiped out. The eugenicists, remember, had grafted themselves on to Darwin's ideas of of evolution and superior types, inferior types, and so on. And they had no problem in deciding, along with Marx's idea too, that you could speed up natural societal evolution by, rather than waiting for things to happen, actually make it happen much faster and order and plan it all. And that's still going on today, of course. Wells himself said that they could... In a modern utopia, he said that we had decided not to just kill them off. We decided to to, to sterilize the unfit and, uh, and useless eaters, basically, and let them die off naturally. It was more humane that way. And that's what you'll find comes up in modern talks on the very subject with all oh, the population, or as I like to call it too, the aging population, which what they mean really is the useless eaters, the ones who worked and built up pensions, and now it's time to claim them, and they don't really want to waste, wasting the money they could use for better purposes, giving you that, that pension and allowing you to live a few years longer. They prefer that you just died off and be gone. They have articles about it, they have meetings about it in big think tanks at the top. The think tanks, remember, all work for the big foundations that really are there to, on behalf of, of those who rule the world. And we do have world rulers, there's no doubt about it. They have meetings all the time. And look, look at the when IBM has a meeting and all the different corporations across the planet that must attend, they'll be there all right, or the Davos meeting in Switzerland. Did, did you elect any of these people? No, of course you don't. Which makes a complete farce of this idea of democracy. Democracy today means we're going to bathroom, you're going to go into. That's what democracy is, the, the joker has come down to. You have chaos, pretty well chaos, presented as news in the newspapers to you as we go into more and more and more planned and promoted very heavily promoted from the top, because all big change in society, as Plato said, must be authorized from the top. Anything that wasn't planned that way and came from the grassroots could cause uh, unseen circumstantial upheavals and therefore must be wiped out. So it's only those that are authorized from the top, meaning the planning departments of those who control that particular era or world or whatever. And that's what we're going through today. We're going through chaos as all their, their plans come to fruition. And you're seeing it too. 
And they're always giving you dates, again, where the nation-state will be finished. They even do that for the Department of Defense, a big think tank there that published their findings every like, a few years on the, the, the coming city-states that will rule the world when they do away with nations and all that. At the same time I'm saying this, too, you have a head guy of, of uh, the European Union saying on the, on the 100th anniversary of the idea and the setting up of a committee to start working uh, quietly and even uh, against the wishes of nations to create a European, basically a whole nation, a single governmental system, which we have today. But he said they want, again, they call it the United States of Europe, a complete integrated United States of Europe. So nothing, nothing is new under the sun. They keep rotating the same thing, pushing the same agendas, and giving you farce, real farce in the meantime. And that's what it is, is farce. We have a farcical reality system of money, which means nothing. You look at the old movies, I dare you, look up some of the really old movies. There's some free ones on YouTube, and some of them are old sci-fi ones and so on, where you could fill up your gas in your, your, your big car, fill it, the whole darn thing up for maybe $4. That's, that's stacks of gallons into your tank there. And then you look for what it is today, because the currency is constantly devalued. Look at the prices you'll see in the stores as they pass in these movies for hamburgers and things compared to what you're paying today. And they're trading the public that this is normal, that prices will go up every year. But don't worry, they always give you a pay raise every year too, which doesn't keep up with the price increases, of course. It's not meant to. It's all, it's all carefully managed, though. It's not all happenstance and independent authorities doing their own thing or independent bosses doing their own thing. This, this is the way it's worked out. It really is quite amazing, it really is, until you think about it. And we go through the, these farcical systems, pretending it's all real. And then we're into a stage right now where it's perfect, as Bernays planned it. And Bernays belonged to an organization that planned American policy. They called it Official Department of Public Persuasion. They helped to get America into World War One. That was their job, to propagandize them into war. But Bernays said to the big advertisers and the corporations that actually made things in factories and so on, stop making good things. Stop doing it. You make crappy things and you get bigger profits by replacements and all that. But he says, stop, because one time factories tried to make good products and depend, they sat back on depending on their name to sell the products. That's how things worked. And if someone turned out a bad lawnmower, folk knew about it very quickly and they wouldn't buy it. So it was awfully important you turned out good products that would last as well. But Bernays said, stop it. He says, rather than make good products to suit the public, train the public to suit your products. And that's what you have today. It's perfect. It really is perfect. Where in no time at all, quite a few years, maybe 10 years, 15 years at the most, they have literally trained the public that anything over a year old is really old, like antique. And new is good, new is better. But they've also trained them that all the stuff you're buying will break down in no time at all or fall apart or crack if it's plastic and all that stuff. And they've trained the public that this is normal. And the public don't even complain about it anymore. They're really, oh, well, that's normal, you know. And they throw the stuff out. And now they're paying fees and taxes to throw the things out for disposal. 
Whereas you wouldn't have that problem if things are made to last. You wouldn't have all this mountains and mountains of plastic garbage and computer casings and printers and all that stuff. But nothing's meant to last. It's all meant to suit the corporations. Why don't the corporations pay all the taxes themselves at their massive profits since everything's made in China? But as I say, we live in a farcical system. It's, not, it's meant to suit those at the top who own it all who are getting richer by the billions and trillions every year as opposed to the old millions. It was a big thing to be a millionaire at one time, not now. But you won't get there, don't worry about it. Even the frauds you'll see within governments now are, are so corrupt. All levels of them are so corrupt. I might touch on that later too. And we accept that as well. We, we, we've, we've been trained to accept it. Isn't that amazing? That's quite the defeat, isn't it? that somehow it's normal. So Bernays was right to train the public to accept this and accept that. You can, you can train them to, to accept anything if you do it properly. You'll find Aldous Huxley in his, in his talks with Wallace warned about this. He says that techni- See, the techniques had already been planned and tested back in the 1930s when he wrote Brave New World. And maybe even before that, in fact, I'm sure. That's why they, they, they heavily funded the behaviorists, heavily, heavily funded them, and had them working with governments to introduce policies and alter public opinion. That was a big part of it too, and creating public consent for different things. It's all done scientifically. But the public don't know it. They, they'll still think they're in charge of their, their lives. They, if you give them a choice of A, B, or A, B, and C, Think, they really think they have a choice. They don't realize, no, you, you don't have choices. They know that everybody's going to pick what B, if, it's, if it seems to be in their best interest, even though it's a con, they'll all pick the same thing. That makes them think they really do have choices, but they don't have choices. Any more than had choices of amalgamating nations into massive conglomerate monopolies, basically. And any more than they have people in other countries ruling them like they do in Europe. They've got the commission for the European Union at the top, but the people don't elect them. They're appointed. It's very secretive. But they also have a commission on the bankers. And I read that article maybe a year ago, two years ago. Same thing. No one knew at the time. The people didn't know. Most of the things that are really important, you're never told in your entire life. You'll never hear them. And people keep prattling. But they're trained to prattle. They live in a free society and it's democratic. And as Bertrand Russell said, too, they train the public in every country to see the same things. Oh, this is the best country in the world with the best healthcare and the best this and the best that. And, and the reason they keep saying that is because our government keeps telling them that. It works so easily and so well. So well. It's astonishing, really. Folk don't know that a lot of these so-called third world countries that are classed as third world have some of the more advanced medical care for ordinary people than you have in your own countries, in the first world countries. And the reason you don't know that is because you're not supposed to know that. You're living in the best country. Wherever you happen to be, you're living in the best country with the best medical system in the world. It's all racketeering. That's what it is. Everybody wants to be rich. Awfully, awfully, awfully rich. At your expense, generally. And it doesn't stop. It gets worse and worse as time goes on. Many years ago, again, big think tanks working on this at the, at the end of the 1800s into the, the 1900s of their agenda. They they always knew where they wanted to go with the world 
how they would use the people under democracy, then train them out of the idea of democracy, where they would just accept they're being governed and ruled, and actually call it governance now, you see. And the big think tanks like, like CG and, and uh, Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, they all work on these agendas. They train us all constantly across the whole world. And some people will say, well, you know, if it, if it works to an extent, why not? And if the people don't disagree about things, why not just go ahead? Well, you could use that argument to do the most horrific things, and some tyrants in the past have done that, naturally. You, know. you cannot have a just society if so much of it is kept quiet and hidden and so many agendas are underway. And you cannot have a just society either, by the way, if you constantly fund various groups Constantly creating new groups and then classify them under different designations to give them extra funding. And you use them as political battering rams to get some other agenda through. You can't have a democracy like that either. No. Everything is a con in modern society. I've said this many times before. When you look at the studies that are done annually, and sometimes they publish them annually in different countries, to do with mental health or self-worth, feelings of self-worth, or things like that, or partial. There's never a full contentment in the average person. It doesn't happen, unless it's maybe in your dreams, I don't know. But there'd be somewhat contentment in the world. Even little things to look forward to that break the monotony and give you a little change once a year, or things like that. Things to look forward to can help. But, but in reality, folk are not getting any happier with all the, the rubbish that they're, they're taught to buy and to have. And this constant information system, their cell phones and all that, they keep showing in the studies that it hasn't made them happier. And of course, the reason I'm saying that is because all the ads to sell this stuff is to make you think that whatever your, your misery is, buy this and you're going to be happy. You, you have ecstasy if you buy this toothpaste and so on. The whole thing's a con. The basic needs of people are not supplied by just masses and mountains of the material goods. And unfortunately, in society today, because there's so much social engineering planned at separating the old parts of normalcy, which for, for hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of years, it's been simply young folk got married and have children. And it might not be the reason that they got married in the first place, was to have children. Many of them, actually, I'm sure, would simply, as I say, have a little quiet shotgun wedding. It was a normal thing. But they were young, and they would have children, and they'd get on with life, because they're young and healthy and so on. But it wasn't the prime reason, you know, for, for maybe getting married. Today, because you don't have to even get pregnant anymore, or if you do, the steel will rectify that, as I say. Then the all natural things they gave per- and even forced purpose on people at times have gone. So there's a great void there of, of people wallowing in with the big question of what's it all about, as you say. And all the ads are bombarding them constantly. Oh, you look at this, look at this big smiling model, big, a grin from ear to ear. Where did, where did they get such wide mouths? Eh? Because of this thing that they're trying to sell you. And you're going to be the same too if you just buy it. It's all phony, isn't it? Everything is designed to stop you. Stop you. Getting to some degree of contentment. I think too about the internet and 
all the technologies that are involved in it and masses of think tanks involved in it in countries and countries and spy agencies and all the rest of it. But you've got to understand that, yeah, it's to, it makes everybody predictable because they know all about you and what you like and dislike, etc., etc., etc. They're very predictable, and that makes the ones who rule the world feel secure and safe. And you're no problem to their to their plans, even down the roads. You'll never, it'll never dawn on you to see anything that might cause a little ripple effect somewhere. So we're living in a, in a very contrived, controlled system that's getting worse all the time by its control. That is, and if you look into Brave New World, for instance, it's, it's very much like that, isn't it? Where sex is pushed as a as, as a, you know, promiscuity is pushed as a as an individual, national or international right. Just masses of promiscuity. But don't bond with anybody. Just don't do that. And not bonding is an unnatural thing in itself. Nature makes the creatures, the, the mammals, bond because in a natural society, it would take the mother and the father to make sure the children survive. The state has taken over the roles of the dad, when, once the, the woman is impregnated, and of course you can even get artificially done now today, but the state will take over and, and supply the woman with the finances and the accommodation to live and, and even a career, train of careers. And so they bypassed the father. That was a technique too that was used by the communists. Don't forget the Nazis were also socialists. The communists were socialists and the Nazis were socialists. The only difference really, supposedly, supposedly, was that the communists were, were going to be international socialists as opposed to the Nazis they were going to be run by national socialists, even though their goal was still international. Don't get misled by the nonsense that's pushed by them all. Socialism is socialism, which is control and planned, a planned society with a planned economy, right down to planning, like Brave New World, how many different types of alphas and betas and so on they would need for the next few years. If they didn't need you, you wouldn't get born. And that's where we're really at right now, of course. But now you must always train the public, always train them, to give their consent, the manufacturing of consent. Again, back to Bernays and, and, and the, the massive panels ever since that work on this. Behaviorists, neuroscientists, psychologists, getting big fat paychecks for that. And then training the public again through, through, through repetition and also through repetition through fictional things, which is very easy to program people then too. It normalizes things which haven't happened yet until you think, well, it's happened. It's familiar to you. And eventually, when it really happens, you think, well, you're, you're already prepped for it to, to accept it. Well, it must be normal. The idea's been around for a while. And that's how you train the people. Interesting enough, too, I mean, H.G. Wells, being the, the eugenicist, he said, what do you do? He says, what do you do? We, we get all these people and we feed them well and you, you give them some kind of 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 charity for the poor. He was meaning the unfit, by the way. And then they'll have offspring, and then you've got more to feed. And if you didn't function for the socialist managed system that he was talking about bringing into being, if you wouldn't function for it, then you were a problem and should be eliminated. That's still getting pushed today, of course, more so than you might think. The, the problem that Wells had, and they all had, by, and they were acutely aware of it, was 
that back then you still had an old culture that, yeah, had been wrecked by World War I, which helped destroy a lot of religious attendance in churches, but didn't wipe out completely the, the Christian ideals where you had to love your neighbor to an extent or whatever, have compassion to each other, all that kind of thing. And it also it felt that, that, say, euthanasia was abhorrent because they knew that where it would end up going, which, of course, is, is, was the, and is the intention of the eugenicists, bring, bring it in. The Germans did it. The Germans did it because they, they copied the stuff that the British and the Americans had done in the eugenic societies and promoted for years and years and years. You won't know it yet, but you're going to find that a lot of them were put out of the way for racial hygiene purposes or just cost efficiency a long time ago. And it's still going on today. They admit, too, in the Darwin Society, the Eugenic Society, Darwin Society, this still exists today, changed its name. They had bad publicity because of, of the, the Germans actually putting these policies into being. And it kind of set them back for a while, but they've never given up the idea that they have of the managed society and doing away with the useless eater types and the unfit and the mentally deranged and whatever, or, or congenital problems at birth. Never stopped. I mean, Aldous Huxley himself mentioned about the, the, the hereditary traits human can have too. If you're a short-sighted, do you really want to breed a lot of short-sighted people in the future? How is those people who are short-sighted with spectacles and all the rest of it, they, they, the, the different treatments they have today, uh, they, they wouldn't be a problem, but, but that's how the genesis could see it. Any physical defect, as they saw it, why just perpetuate it? Why not just get rid of it? Now, the science fiction writers, and don't forget H.G. Wells wrote science fiction, and he had a lot of help to do it by professors Eaton and, uh, from Eton and Oxford and Cambridge. And an awful lot of help. Because they had the, the eugenic societies ran basically through universities too. A lot of these professors were involved. And so they use and still use today a lot of writers in the futurist societies. Look who funded and still funds the, the, the futurist societies in some countries. The Rothschilds even were involved in it too. And out of the different sci-fi writers who are given the themes to write on, you find eugenics all through them. And you can read a science fiction, for instance, and come to, and go along with their theories in the sci-fi story, done in such a clever way, you'll, you'll end up agreeing with them at the end. Well, I guess they, it made sense to do what they did with the people you know, in the science fiction. And as soon as that happens, you're ready to be <laughs> put down yourself, you might say. What a world we live in, eh? If the, the average child knew at a very early age what to be aware of, They'd be raving neurotic paranoics in no time at all. Because we're not supposed to live with so much deception. We're not supposed to. The human mind can't handle it if it knows it. Just like the human mind, and through experiment after experiment after experiment. And again, you found it with, with all the different characters who, who practice with animals. And I've no doubt too with people too, like Pavlov certainly used people as well. The average person can't handle, say, more than, than two to three crises at one time. Eventually they crack up. We're always being experimented upon, and most folk are never aware that it's actually deliberate experimentation. Today, really with the eradication purposely pushed from all government institutions, including all education too, 
and with the collusion of all media, of course, have hammered and hammered their main the remnants of what was called Christianity in the Western world. Until you have this pretty well atheistic system where all their, all their beliefs and morals and so on are given to them by the state itself. And they don't even realize that's where it all comes from. The state approved morals. That's what Bertrand Russell says they would eventually do. The state would eventually give all the morality to the children by passing the parents' input. And it's all been done very effectively and efficiently, of course. And now it's time to push the next step of the big agenda. And that's how, how very carefully it was all planned a long time ago. That now, now they can push ahead with euthanasia. As we know, most countries have got it in effect now in the last few years. Once they have that on the books, then they can start killing folk for feeling a bit depressed, which they, they do in, in Holland and different countries. And will all follow suit. And the reason for following suit as well to do that in Holland. Well, if they jumped off the cliffs in Holland, would we have to follow suit too? So that's no argument at all, of course it isn't. But that's the world we live in today, isn't it? It's quite interesting to live through all these, these big parts of the phases and, and watch as the, the state, literally through education, promotes everything from what gender you're supposed to be or could be or whatever, bypassing all input from parents. It's like Hillary Clinton, it takes a village to raise a child, and then other people in the U.S. government come out blatantly and said that it's too important to be left to parents, this idea of giving education and and the, the new moralities, the new moralities to the children. So the state has to have the right to do that. All these things are, are never debated by the people or voted on by the people. It's never given, given or put to the vote for the people. It's just done, isn't it? By the same technique that was given by from the top down again, like Plato said. It must always be from the top down. And, and it certainly is. Isn't it interesting to see all the things that you saw in old science fiction stories coming to pass and actually being mundane to an extent because we'll bypass a lot of it now. Step by step. Now, one of the sci-fi writers was was Arthur C. Clarke, who was not a great writer. I remember reading lots of his stories when I was young, and he he, he couldn't go into any, any particular depth with human human interaction. It just wasn't in him. It was like he was kind of flat there, in fact. But he did know how to put the, the agenda across, and he had did two thousand and one. Which were, he was referring to phases of a plan, and 2010, and then his last one before he died was 3001. But it was interesting that 2010, the future that he, he had was a depopulated future, where those who then lived and ruled this intelligentsia class were all made up of scientists from all the elite people of every country. So it was all elites and interbred ones too with different uh, features showing through of all the different races. But, but these were all the, 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 literally the top intellects of all the countries that had survived. The rest of them were perished apparently. You know. I don't think he said why how, or how they perished in fact. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember. But anyway... That's always been what, how they, they, they saw themselves, and he saw himself as, as a scientist, even though he's really a sci-fi writer. That's what helps to change us, too. And in one of his stories as well, he had, he had uh, Childhood's End, one of the books. 
the whole theme in the book, never mind about the aliens coming in or the rest of it and taking over, as folk gave them more and more power and then got used to them, making all the decisions for them, and were happy to do it eventually. Again, consent, consent, consent. But the point was that the, 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 it was the children the aliens were really after eventually, the perfect breed in a generation particular generation to come. And once they got that generation of the young children, the advanced model, you might say, they took them off, off planet got, and, and left the other planet to die and blow. But then they blew it up because man then was extinct. The old man was gone. It was time for me to disappear from the universe. Constant theme, eugenics, 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 and superior types and inferior types. But through it all, too, all of the eugenicists from, again, way back, even before H.G. Wells and during his time too, including him heavily, promoted the idea of depopulating the wrong types of people who, who would not, no longer be in demand. That's still alive and very healthy today, that whole idea, and getting pushed. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not, if you see anything that becomes evident through even released articles and released studies constantly, well-funded studies. And you understand, when the studies are very specific, generally, and when they're the same studies year after year, there's, a, there's very good reasons they're given the same studies year after year. It's to see if the agendas are working. We saw, especially around World War II time and onwards, a very fast climb in effective medical treatments for different things. Very fast. And very efficient, too, for the, for the period as well. And they were climbing and climbing and climbing, and then suddenly nothing. Oh, antibiotics will, will, will shortly won't work. They were saying that back in the, the 60s, even in the 50s, I believe, in old articles, you can find them. The constant mantra that eventually we won't, they won't work. Still the same, I've got articles I'll put up even tonight on that. Same, same mantra, oh, they won't work. Well, why, 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 why? Why? Do you really think that R&D isn't there to, to go into these things? Do you really think that for the elites and so on, they've just given up and, you know, oh, woe is me, we can't do anything? Do you really believe that? Of course not. Of course not. But that's, that is the mandate for the general population, that these treatments will just tell you, they'll use all treatments that won't work. Mind you, too, we also live in an age where there's never been such incredibly efficient manipulation for war departments of bacterium, viruses, molds, and everything else. And if you start mentioning these, you say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, no, you're not a conspiracy theorist. Your government does put incredible amounts of money into these projects for de- to develop killer diseases and viruses and for warfare purposes. Oh, they've done it even before World War II. But if you mention these things, that's a fast thing. Whenever you get hit with that, that the conspiracy theorist thing, you know darn well you're on the right track. Of course you are. It's a great way to try to diffuse your listenership from even believing in you about what you're saying or even checking it out. A conspiracy theorist. You have world meetings to do with overpopulation. You have a, a department in the United Nations, they call it the Population Department, that was set up initially, that department, by the Rockefeller Foundation, the eugenicists themselves. And then grafted on the United Nations. And initially, too, it was, it was population control. But this changed the population. It was just too blatant, wasn't it? Again, it's, oh, there's too many folk, blah, 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 blah. If you really were using 
science and common sense as we used to do, for instance. If you caught or contracted a venereal disease like syphilis, for instance, gonorrhea, these were traceable diseases by law because anything that was a communicable disease, which could be deadly, and if not at the very least terribly disabling, then it was an infectious disease, came under infectious. Well, how do you treat infectious? You quarantine people. And with STDs, once you had treatments, you, you, had, you still had tracers. I think they still have them for syphilis and so on, where they, they got to find out when they're treating a person who they found out has it, to find out who else to be in contact, to try to nip it in the bud, stop that line of spread. But once you enter AIDS, suddenly you're into political agenda for the first time. And you couldn't go out and do that kind of thing. Massive backlash from the top again. And here they are telling you this is not only a, it could be disabling, this is a killer. So for the first time they get a killer disease, it's spread because of political rights. Today you have lots with, with them. And again, you go back into the old agendas for the borderless world going back 40, 50 years and, and their dreams at that time, the big plans. And they talked about that too. Oh, there'd be a big spread in infectious diseases. Well, why would you want to bring down countries that are, were pretty well the backbone of the planet and funding for the UN and for the funding for the poor countries? Why would you destroy them by bringing in problems, of, especially in an age where they, where they tell you they can't treat a lot of these things now? They're becoming untreatable. Because antibiotics and such aren't working. I have an article here to put up tonight talking about that. And that there's even strains of AIDS now that don't even react to the antiviral drugs they gave them for a long time. They help to keep it at bay to an extent. What we're looking at now is the, the purported hands in the air. Oh, they're throwing their hands up. They can't treat these things anymore. That's what they're saying to us. And you can believe it if you want to, but, but don't forget, you, you have big meetings to do with depopulation. You have massive <laughs> increases in, in cancers. And with any, anything like that, you always say, well, okay, what's the common denominator? What's happened in the last 50 years that didn't happen before that? Well, you, you've got mass inoculations as, as routine now for the children. More and more and more of them all the time, inoculations that is, vaccination. You also have this massive agricultural dash chemical industry that works together with pesticides and herbicides, etc. And the plants soak the stuff up and then we eat it. That's the standard detective story you would do with any medical problem. What's different? What's changed? But you're not allowed to talk about that anymore. Oh, there's, and they can churn out their studies on and pay enough scientists off to people to say whatever they want them to say. That's old news. They've done lots of lots of exposés on that too, and it's it's true. But the people generally will will, will go but long by these. Well, you know, they did these uh, when the British Lancet had articles about the, the the cancers and that related to pesticides and herbicides and the modified food and all that. 
then they gave them a few years later and the big boys retaliate by paying their own scientists to say, oh, you know, our study shows there's nothing wrong with that, you know. You can eat as much of these pesticides and herbicides as you want and it won't do any harm at all. Literally, look, that's what they tell you. But the, the, the fact that anybody with common sense will say, well, if it causes, and they, they, don't, they don't dismiss the fact that it causes all the cancers in the animals that they test on. Therefore, it's a good bet that it's the same with us. And if it's allowed to go on, which it is, obviously, then you're looking at a form, a form of quiet takedown of the population. The folk who can't afford the organically grown, non-GMO stuff. Never mind, uh, they can't get access to the domed and underground facilities that very important folk get special drawing rights from. I did that, the stories on that years ago, starting in Japan, Germany, and then we found out, oh, they've got them in Britain and other countries too, for the elite and the VIPs and that. These domes have, have workers coming and going, dressed in, in, in sterile suits and masks. No, no, no insects get in. No foreign bugs get in. And everything's filtered inside. And that the water doesn't come from the sky. It goes through incredible filter systems and deep, deep wells into the where it's grown. That way it doesn't get contamination from the air through all the, the geoengineering spray and chem spraying and so on that's going on. But you can't get drawing rights from there. And second best, is if you can afford it, is the stuff that's at least labeled organic. So in other words, intentional takedown of the poorer focus, as usual, which is eugenics, is underway. Getting back to the sci-fi things. Now, someone who, who writes to me from Australia, I've been going over the Arthur C. Clarke books again. He did notice that the, the theme through a lot of Arthur C. Clarke's eugenics is, is definitely a theme through them all, all these stories. And breeding the perfect beings and all that kind of stuff and, and getting rid of the, the useless eaters. But he mentioned pure eugenics in, in a psychodrama story. And he says that the moral of the story is that you can, when in survival mode for the people that is, this is how it's pure cross to you, survival mode. You're all in it together idea. The moral of the story is that you can, when in survival mode, bring in suicide, so long as there is the complete knowledge and consent, again, that's back to Bernays, consent of all parties, I mean the government, concerned under the lawful authorization of the universal state. And that's where we're going into the universal state, make it mandatory across the planet. That, yeah, you know, well, what's wrong with poisoning so much of the food? Because the poor folk, they, they can eat, it's kind of humane, they can eat and they'll live a, a good life if they're young enough, then they'll get suddenly sick and start dying off. So that's, that's a good compromise, you see. But anyway, he says, a fair and impartial selection process is agreed upon mutually by all parties. And the more you read it, and the more you get all these little bits and bites of information through fiction and news and all that, you'll come to the same conclusion. Well, I guess they have to do something. I've heard people say, oh, I guess there's too many of us right enough. Wait a minute here. Who, who in Britain, this is from someone in Britain that I knew awfully well, from all from TV. Oh, there's too many of us. Well, the, the, the population in Britain wasn't supposed to go over about 45 million some years back from the government's own statistics. But the same government then opens up and brings in about 75, 78 million 
Until you're up to 78 million, I should say, total. Then they turn around and say, oh, there's too many of you. So, like, it's all your fault. You have nothing to do with that. It's all perception management. Everything is perception management. But now the, the, the person from Australia wrote and continued and says, however, in the real world today, eugenics is being executed just as the story's antagonists tried and failed to do. Murder by poisoning by stealth without official state admission and approval. In other words, the state's aware of it, but they're not going to have a public thing and say, oh yeah, we're passing that as a law and admit to it, state admission and approval. It's just put forward and allowed to be. And getting back to the previous part that he said, you can't, you can, well, all of society went in survival mode, because that's what they tried to say, oh, we're all survive. we're trying to survive, it's a crisis, oh. Then suicide can be promoted as long as there is the complete knowledge and consent of all parties concerned under the lawful authorization of the universal state. And a fair and impartial selection process is agreed upon mutually by all parties. So they can, can, it's just like the global warming thing. It turned into just climate change when the warming wasn't cooperating. And before that, the same group, remember, had the coming ice age. I did talks on that years ago. Go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com into the archive section. You'll hear thousands and thousands of talks and all this with, with the links and, the, and where all the information came from, the think tanks involved and the government uh, agencies involved and so on. And all that was meant to, to promote crisis, 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 because there's too many of you. That was the whole point of it all. And to give authorities more authority to deal with your lives or not to deal with it. And today, the big push is, well, why treat the elderly or infirm and all the rest of it? That's in the open. I've read the articles over the last few weeks on that. You're constantly trained through fiction and non-fiction, through everything. You're constantly trained that you're the problem. Just give up and consent to all. Give up. Here's one article, another repetition, from the 1st of December, 2017. Antibiotic resistance has caused a fall in life expectancy for the first time. So they're, they're blaming, that's what they're saying, it's antibiotic resistance they're claiming. As you die of the cancers through all your food and everything. And it's from the Office of National Statistics, the one that George Orwell had in all through his 1984 book. You can con anybody with statistics. Or give some minerals a fancy number or name, and it sounds very scientific, and sell it at 10, 20 times the price. Life expectancy in future years has been revised down after the statistics authorities said that less optimistic views about the future had to be taken into account. Opinions on improvements in medical science had declined, it said. For all of you, that is. Not for the elite because we're still hitting the hell, a lot of the elite now are hitting 100 routinely, years of age. And fears of the re-emergence of existing diseases and increases in antimicrobial resistance meant people would not live as long as was previously expected. My, they were so sure of it before, but now they're not. Then they get the statistics to try and reinforce it. Then you get this one. New report predicts troubling shortage of doctors in the U.S. That was from... March earlier this year. And this is a report estimates a shortfall ranging from 34,600 to 88,000 doctors by 2025, 
compared to where a growing and ageing population may need by 2030. See, you've never had a population that, that aged before, partly. Everybody just gave up and died, you know, and disappeared quietly. Everything is, is nonsense, isn't it? You've, of course you've always had ageing populations from day one. You walk to the Garden of Eden, they're saying that you started ageing. Anyway, it says here that by 2030, the number of Americans over the age of 65 will grow by 55%. Remember, it's also, they admit now, the growing population is by massive migration. And all the countries admit that now. Generally, in footnotes at the bottom of the thing, if you, if you care to read that far, it's very troubling since people age, they typically need more health care services. And the population continues to grow in age, you must begin to train more doctors, blah, blah, blah. So the survey was conducted for the AAMC by the IHS, Market Global Information Company, and so on and so on. Then you get this one, and I'll put this one up from Market itself, IHS Market. And the complexities of uh, physician supply and demand 2017 update projections from 2015 to 2030. And it gives you who it was prepared on behalf of for the medical colleges and so on with this gloomy prediction. And then you get the Crest Block, uh, Potomac Institute for Policy Studies Center for Revolutionary Scientific Thought. And it's interesting here, the future of artificial intelligence in healthcare. This is from 2016. No doctors required. When I said 2016, did you suddenly think it was old news? Even though you never heard of it before? So you're trained that way. It's amazing how it always works, eh? But don't, 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 think, don't, don't think it's because it was, it was done a year ago that there's any less relevant it is now. Or important. Robotics and artificial intelligence are changing the field of healthcare. Doctors are seemingly open to the change as long as there's still a place for them in the system. But is this a reality? Will we need doctors in the future? In the short term, yes. In the long term, not likely. And they go through the recent studies and so on by uh, research firms Frost and Sullivan. And uh, they're going about the, the diagnosis often getting made now by computers and artificial intelligence and so on. And what are the futures of doctors? Now, I've read think tanks before who go into this years, many, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. They'll always have the best of the best, not just the average doctor, but real, really good top-of-the-notch specialists at the very top to deal with the very wealthy, special, elite people, the VIP types that manage and own the system. Of course they will. But for the rest of the people, it'll be like THX, 11.30, I think they call it. The movie where even your 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 you'll even have robotic images on your screen of uh, of confession for you to. It's all be done by computers, everything. And this one is quite interesting. I'll put all these links up. Remember too, I never read anything unless I put up the links and for the articles for you too. And you should collect these things. It's interesting for the future. Things disappear all the time too. Uh, down the memory hole. That's the beauty of the internet. Here's one here. The CVS Health's $69 billion deal to acquire Aetna would create a new form of integrated care. And that's from December. It's from this month. 
and announced their acquisition plan after months of speculation. So now you're getting insurance companies in the States and elsewhere going into the whole business of owning the hospitals as well as the pharmaceutical industries. All you know, it's all one big system now because you are the business. Everything that happens in the world is for the people. You, the people, are the business. And you train them, and you, you, you and sure you can breed them up too. Then you can really profit from them too. And you, and you can even profit from from bringing their populations down as well because you own the chemical industries. Another one too is artificial intelligence controlled brain implants for mood disorders tested in people. That was from last month there. Again, I said last month did that immediately make you think, oh, that's old stuff, even though you haven't read it before. How do you have your trend? By your masters. And this one too is neuroscience called tuning the brain. Deep brain stimulation shown by promise in treating conditions such as Parkinson's disease and so on. But of course, this is really going into altering how your brain works as well in other areas. Interesting, eh? And then meet the Elon Musk of assisted suicide whose machine lets you kill yourself anywhere. Another great benefactor of society and mankind. You don't vote them in, they just appear to appear and have all the backing of governments and agencies and academia. Isn't that amazing? Like Dr. Death, a Kevorkian. But now they're good guys now, you see. Give them enough time and you can convince the public of anything. With the right technique, it's been used. So Dr. Philip Nitschke, Nietzsche, not, not Nietzsche, but Nitschke, Nitschke with a K, considers himself that Elon Musk of assisted suicide, so that's his own opinion for himself, and his latest death machine, the Sarko, is his Tesla. That's quite neat, eh? That very upbeat type article, this is. Newsweek spoke with a 70-year-old doctor immediately after the state of Victoria in Australia, his home country, voted this week to legalise euthanasia. Many are billing this as the first law of this nature down under, though Nitschke performed his first assisted death in 1996 during a brief period of legality in the country's Northern Territory. As a young medical school graduate, he found himself drawn to the world of euthanasia and the work of Dr. Jack Kevorkian, the most famous euthanasia proponent in the U.S. Inspired by Kevorkian's death machine, Nitsky set out to create an updated version that he called The Deliverance. It's like something you get in some horror movie with the, with the, the, the Zodiac Killer or something. Eh? But just give it a, a good spin and the good guys, you see. Quite easy. Eh? Machine was rudimentary, comprising only a laptop hooked to an IV system, but it works. A computer program would confirm the patient's intent to die and then trigger a lethal injection of barbiturates. It successfully ended four lives before Australia appealed the bill that legalised the euthanasia in 1997. So he was allowed to, to use that to test it. But ending legal euthanasia didn't stop people from coming to me, he says, uh, saying they wanted to die. I spent the last 20 years fighting for the legislation that just passed, and he's aided hundreds of what he calls rational suicides. And he's getting wealthy from it too, naturally. You know. He founded X International Non-Profit. I love that. You know, non-profit organizations, you can pay yourself and authorize a pay of anything that you decide. There's no limit, including charities. Hmm? The Advocates for Legalization of Euthanasia. In 2006, he published a peaceful pill handbook constructs the most painless and efficient ways to commit suicide. This is an ad for it too. They're advertising this guy, aren't they? 
And now it's got a machine now. It's even got some sci-fi looking thing with a new way to kill yourself. And even has a, a repurposed compartment in it that, goes, that doubles as a casket. It contains canisters of liquid nitrogen and, and removable capsule compartment. And it can be open source and could theoretically be 3D printed anywhere in the world. It's the Model S of death machines and so on. And in a society where you have no real life morals anymore, because anything goes and life is cheap, as you've been taught over and over, life is now cheap, 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 cheap. And a good percentage of your population that, that, that should be born are actually terminated in pregnancy, a massive population of that. <laughs> Just, that's it. Then, then don't expect any moral outrage over it because we're, we're, we're losing any moral outrage, even to our detriment because we're talking about our own survival here. And the more power you give to others to decide how we're going to exit this place, or even if we should exit, the more dangerous it becomes. But they train the pop again, manufacturing of consent. So well done, it'll become your opinion, and you'll fight to have that opinion, even though you, you, if you, you were on trial to find out how you came to the opinion, you couldn't actually come to it. You've never reasoned it out. It's not been given to you. Most things are done that way today. I'll also put up an article on, there's quite a few articles out there actually, on investment in U.S. farmland on the rise. China's investing heavily uh, because they've got such a massive population to feed. But remember, intensive farming ruins the, the soil. Britain found that out because they had to do all that in World War II, and it's hardly even recovered from it since. But it's great for the chemical industry because they start just dumping all their chemicals in the soil to make things grow, even though the, the, you, big spuds don't have all the nourishment they should have in them. They're big, but that's about it. Same with all the other vegetables. Clever, isn't it, how it all works uh, to the benefits of the big corporations? There's also an article from Mercola, I'll put that up too. Uh, just to mention the corruption that's in society. Like, you can't go on, it's not meant to go on forever like this where governments can squander billions or even trillions that go missing for something like the U.S. And uh, they just laugh at inquiries. It's all it's like a routine love-in and joke festival time for the characters involved. That's where things have come down to. But here's one here. It's, it's quite amazing. In Scotland, everything now is, is all fair. We're all fair now, you know. And I've noticed in, in Europe, it's mainly women now. It's going to be the heads of countries and top jobs, and, and like this one here in the police department and all that. And you used to hope that, well, maybe you would get less corruption or something. I don't know why, but that, that was always the hope. And it's, we're getting let down like crazy. Never mind Theresa May in, in Britain with their British exit plan, it's going to bankrupt them over and over to pay this ransom, basically, to get out of this con game. And she agreed to that pretty well, but she shouldn't have. Not that kind of I mean, you know, blackmail. And here you have Police Scotland, senior cop. She was given £67,000 of taxpayers' cash so she could move her house. Deputy Chief Constable Rose Fitzpatrick was handed the public money to move house 
and also had a £50,000 as, as well. Tax bill paid for her by the taxpayer. The countries can't go on with this corruption. This is corruption, folks. This is what this is. That's what that is, right there. And you read these, 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 these flimsy, flaccid arguments they put forth. Well, you know, you know. There's no argument to defend this, this stuff. But anyway, she, her salary per year is £175,000. Huh. And then she was given to move £67,000 of taxpayers' money to move. Then she had her tax bill paid for by the taxpayer, £53,000 for there. This is beyond royalty here. Huh? That's disgusting. There's folks scraping for a living here. And uh, I'll put a couple of these articles up from different papers on the same thing. And then the woman who's in charge for Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, published the paper on taxation, the new taxes are putting in. And folk are warning her against going, putting it out here and pushing for this. She's unveiled plans. For, she won't complain about this, the cops getting this kind of money. But unveiled plans for those earning as little as £24,000, right? Compare that to this woman with her 100 or you know what it was, per annum, 160,000 per, 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 per annum. So those who are going to earn £24,000 to pay more income tax that's what they're going to start to tax them even more to pay for all this con game and corruption that's going on. And that's the problems now in this materialist, thoroughly materialistic society where everyone wants to become the multi, 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 it's beyond even a millionaire, billionaires now they want to be. From the taxpayers. There's folk going to die, as we're speaking, with a cold in Britain because they can't afford the fuel. But that's okay. But this kind of thing can, can get put in your face, this woman. And this woman, too, uh, in the police, this, this, she, she, she moved, frankly, the previous year. It got not much, you know. I do th- this 2014-15, it says she was given £18,000 then to re- relocate. Then another £49,000 for a similar move in 2016-17. This is a going concern, this corruption, isn't it? But it won't go on forever Because the countries are service economies And they're plummeting downwards, downwards, downwards As we know Anyway I hope you are out there surviving This awful weather that we've got I hope folk are surviving it Because it's disgusting It's cold, cold, cold And everything goes up in price Your, Your fuel of all kinds and some places are even putting in carbon taxes just to heat yourself. And you will, you'll get squeezed into the grave because that's where it's supposed to go. Eugenics. And who goes into it first? Well, you, you know, the target group. For myself, Alan Watchman here at Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>